This program is a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. Today's program is pre-recorded. On behalf of the entire labor community, we extend condolences to J-Doc and his entire family on the passing of his father, Joseph Doherty. And guess where this additional billion gallons of biofuel is going to come from? It's going to come from abroad. That's not an American first energy policy. We're in this together. Labor's in this. Building trades are in this. Refiners are in this. American consumers need us to do this too. Now across the Jacob Media Network, welcome to the Labor and Energy Show special. Exclusively presented by the PBF Energy Paulsboro Refinery and the PBF Delaware City Refinery in collaboration with the labor unions that build our communities. If you fix this RINs issue, you're looking at a reduction of 25 to 30 cents a gallon. This is the Labor and Energy Show, bringing labor leaders, national experts, and political influencers together to educate you about fancy terms like RINs and Reggie, while explaining the truth about energy independence. Welcome to the Labor and Energy Show with J-Doc and Krause. And welcome in, everyone, to another edition of the Labor and Energy Show. Jay Doc, we're four weeks in uh, to our conversation. Our objective remains the same today as it did when we started. Change the narrative. Educate the public. Got a great lineup for our Labor and Energy special today. We do, Joe. And, and uh, our, our, our first segment is, is with an individual who's going to demonstrate that this situation that we've been dealing with uh, not only in Pennsylvania and, and across the East Coast, is, is is not a stranger just to our neck of the woods. Uh, I'm ecstatic to bring into the broadcast uh, state representative from the state of Ohio, uh, Mike Sheehy. Mike, how are you, sir? I'm well today, Joe. Thanks. I uh, hope you are as well. I am. And, and uh, you know, you and I had talked a little bit before the broadcast and the topic uh, for the for this segment is going to be the Line 5 pipeline. And if you would, um, just for our listeners, uh, because we're, you know, we're in PA, uh, we're going up to Washington, D.C., and, of course, in Jersey, Maryland, and, and the likes, uh, tell our listeners a little bit about what the Line 5 pipeline is, what its purpose is, and where it's located. Okay, well, the, the Line 5 is uh, is a line that uh, is part of a, a, a pipeline that runs about 645 miles through uh, Western Canada over to the eastern part of uh, uh, the U.S. and it comes through the Straits of uh, Saginaw from from Canada into uh, northern Michigan, and that's where the issue is with us today because uh, there, there was been uh, uh, a, a movement by the president present governor. Uh, of, of the state of Michigan to try to close that line down. Now, to give you a little bit of a background, uh, I want you to know that uh, I'll say, first of all, I have great admiration for uh, uh, Gov- Governor uh, Whitmer and that uh, this is n- in, in no way an attack on her, but in uh, 95% of the issues uh, with her. Uh, however, on this one, uh, we don't see things uh, in the same way. And she wants to close that line down because of concerns. Uh, there was a couple incidents appar- apparently where a dragging uh, anchor bumped that line. And she has concerns that uh, the line would be severed at some time and it would be catastrophic, obviously. But uh, uh, to that to that point, uh, the uh, 
uh, the company, the oil company, has uh, been consistently uh, uh, looks at the issue, makes sure that the line is uh, is uh, in in good order, and uh, they are in the process of making uh, alternate uh, route of going way under the bedrock, uh, under the the Straits uh, of Mackinac, and establishing an, another uh, another pipeline. But uh, that's uh, somewhere down the road. And, uh, you know, uh, a year ago, uh, Governor, Governor Whitmer has, uh, uh, you know, tried to uh, uh, ask the federal government to, to stop this uh, line. And uh, uh, keep in mind, the world has changed just in that it, it, with respect to uh, oil and uh, oil dependency uh, in Europe and, and in the U.S. in, in, the, in a year uh, that, uh, that she was talking about this. And uh, obviously, uh, the you know, with what's going on in Ukraine today, and the uh, the our Western allies in Western Europe are, uh, you know, they're they're in, they're very intent on uh, uh, closing that uh, that line coming out of the uh, out of Russia, and uh, so that only underscores our the importance of the the need for uh, oil here in North America and oil. Uh, and gasoline independence here in uh, in North America and particularly in the United States. So uh, to, to that point, I'm just uh, hoping uh, that uh, the, the state government in Michigan will change their minds on this issue and um, uh, uh, decide to keep uh, Line 5 open. And, Mike, let uh, me ask you, and I want the audience to understand the magnitude of that request. What would it mean if that pipeline was shut down? Well, it, it, the two refineries that have been here for a hundred years, and uh, this is the old Rockefeller refinery, one of them, which is now the BP refinery and the Toledo refinery, which is the old Sunoco refinery have been here for a hundred years. It would be, it would be turning off the spigot for the gasoline and not just gasoline and oil products, but all all, all petrochemical uh, uh, products that are associated with those things. And uh, let's say, for instance, the Consumers Energy Alliance did a, a study, and they concluded that closing a five line uh, line five would cost the Midwest twenty three point seven b with a billion dollars in increased fuel cost over the next three to five years. Closing that line would be tens, losing tens of thousands of good-paying jobs in the region. Closing five lines obviously would disproportionately lower the income, uh, would, would adversely affect uh, lower-income families. And the res, uh, so a resolution talking about these issues passed the Ohio legislature with bipartisan support uh, and, uh, almost exactly a year ago. A year ago, uh, I think it was Friday. And so uh, even before, even before the geopolitical uh, crisis that we're in today, uh, the Ohio legislature and I think uh, largely the uh, Michigan legislature underscored the importance of keeping this line five open. So oh, Mike, let, me, uh, let me jump in there for a second. So the pipeline transports, let me just get, get, get the, paint the picture, 22 million gallons of crude oil and natural gas liquids across 645 miles of countryside 
every day. Okay, every so day. That, that, that's yeah. exactly what we're talking about here. And the issue is, uh, it, it, there could be, a, obviously, they're, they're concerned about massive um, damage if, you know, if, if something is, is uh, if, if the pipeline is damaged, uh, you know, on the, on the sea floor. Uh, how sure is the, the corporate owner um, that they can remedy that situation, make sure that that doesn't happen or, or do everything they can to make sure so that that's not a major concern? Well, uh, cl- clearly, you know, it, it's a what if this happened, it would be uh, catastrophic. Sure. But the the oil company is uh, would shut the valves off and uh, stop the flow. Uh, clearly, there would be a there would be a uh, 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 some amount of uh, damage uh, to the uh, uh, to the water system, but. Uh, that's just a what if uh, they've, uh, as I said, they continue to monitor the, the pipeline. It's been in, uh, it's in good shape today, and uh, the the company has been very, very vigilant about uh, 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 making sure that it continues to be in in good order. And uh, as I said, they're in the process of making an alternate route. Um, of course, the world is changing all the time, and. Who knows in 20 years if there will be that kind of demand for uh, uh, crude oil as there is today. But nevertheless, uh, we're in the real world today. And in the real world today in uh, northwestern Ohio and southern Michigan and and the region beyond, we need jet fuel. We need uh, an array of uh, products that are uh, generated uh, because of that pipeline it, because of jobs and economic uh, uh, development sure. that, that is, is necessary for the region, we need it to stay open. And and so basically, this is happening because of a hypothetical potential situation, and they're doing everything they can to remedy it. Uh, you know, it, it, in any situation where something might happen, is that? Am I reading that right? You have it exactly right. And and I would like to draw a, a contrast to what uh, you know, the Biden administration was successful in closing down a Western uh, a pipeline, which which is clearly was not completed, that, uh, that went into uh, 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 plans and design under a previous administration. That was shut down, and that was stopped in, in the process. But this, by contrast, has been in place for 50 years. The right. two refineries have been here for a hundred years. They're part of the DNA of this region, and to try and if you shut off the valves to 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 the supply of that oil, it would be critical to both of those operations. So, having said that, we're we're taking measures, um, you know, to do everything we can to, to put the proper precautions up, um, and at the same time during this absolutely crazy time, um, shooting ourselves in the foot might not be the most advantageous thing to do. Um, it, because as, as we've all talked about, once that happens, where else would, where would we get the products? Where would we get the, the crude from if, 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 uh, if we shut that down? Clearly, I do not have an answer for that, but I can assure you that uh, number one, it would be more difficult to find to transport, and it would be infinitely more expensive. 
Absolutely. State Rep Mike Sheehy joining us from the state of Ohio, the 46th uh, district. This is the Labor and Energy Show. Uh, Good conversation with Mike. Mike, I almost fear that decisions um, or possibilities that are made today, we don't necessarily realize the effects of those uh, until it's too late. And that, unfortunately, is what I think when I hear this conversation about the Line 5 pipeline potentially being closed. Well, you know, that, uh, that of course, is my fear, is my fear and my concerns today. And uh, as I pointed out earlier, the world changed from just a year ago. And sure. I think uh, uh, Governor Whitmer has, uh, she was swept into office, I think, uh, over concerns of uh, the Flint water crisis and, and some of the concerns uh, that uh, uh, are still being addressed in that, uh, over that issue. And uh, I think that sometimes political world uh, take maybe a step too far. Sure. And I think that's just what she's done. I think she's well-meaning. I have enormous respect for her. Uh, and she and, and, and to her point, she, she's she, I don't know if you follow this, uh, uh, but uh, she's got some real lunatics that uh, the federal government has uh, interceded for her and, and her. They, they were going to uh, kidnap her and right. uh, I, I think uh, do away with her. I mean, this but, is but, stuff you, you know, that would make a great novel. <laughs> right. And, and, you know, the uh, thing is, Absolutely, Mike. And but the other thing is this: um, just taking a better, a safe than sorry uh, approach uh, when you're doing everything you can to put the precautions out there um, and and to do things the right way um, is just, in my opinion, jumping the gun. We're all obviously environmentally concerned, no question about it. Um, but. You know, we can't do everything just on hypotheticals. Quick, before we come to an end, a couple things. Uh, you put together, uh, yeah, you know, you, you, you put together some sort of, uh, what, legislation last year, uh, a resolution uh, to leave the Line 5 open. Is that correct? That is correct. We passed an, uh, a Line 5 resolution to keep the Line 5, a resolution to keep Line 5 open, which was passed with overwhelming bipartisan support. Sure. And support from Dems, as, uh, you know, as well as Republicans, overwhelmingly passed in the Ohio legislature and has the support of the governor. So uh, G- Governor DeWine down here. So uh, uh, this is, as I said earlier, uh, this is something that passed last year because it was needed. And today it only reinforce the political environment that we're in today only reinforces the, the absolute uh, uh, genius of this resolution of keeping that pipeline open. Okay, so before we go, quick question. What can listeners do um, to, to say no to shutting the Line 5 pipeline down? Um, do they call the White House? they contact the White House? What, who do they contact to be heard on this issue? Sure, call your, uh, call your congressman, call your uh, United States senator, or even your local state or local representative, and, and weigh in on this and let them know that you you uh, that we all have a legitimate concern about fresh water, the, a, a clean environment, but we need to operate in the real world because we're dealing with some real issues. And this this pipeline, this 600 mile pipeline, has demonstrated over decades that is that it is working. It is delivering a good product, a needed product for uh, the, the the Midwestern Ohio 
uh, people and southern uh, all all over the region, and it's something that needs to be here not just yesterday, today, but tomorrow as well. State Rep. Mike Sheehy joining us uh, here on the Labor and Energy Show, kicking us off uh, as we roll along. We'll get into our first commercial break. Don't forget to pay attention during the break. Did you know uh, we'll continue to educate the listening audience? And then, J-Doc, after the break, uh, we'll go and speak with a member of the Ohio Building Trades. And then a little bit later on, Scott Hayes from the Toledo Refining Company will join us as well. State Rep Mike Sheehy, thank you so much. We'll get to a commercial break. Back in a moment. Thanks for listening to tonight's Labor and Energy Special. Now it's time for Did You Know? A public service announcement from the providers of this program. Did you know wind power depends on hydrocarbons? That's because inside those turbines are gears and axles, a generator, all sorts of moving and turning parts. And moving parts need lubrication. And lubrication means oil. Did you know? Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back. First chartered in 1903, Steamfitters Local 420 has been constructing and installing mechanical systems throughout the Delaware Valley for over a century. United by excellence, this local is proud to have worked on projects such as the Sun Oil Refineries, Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, and the stadiums for all our Philly teams. From helmets to hard hats, Local 420 represents the history of Philadelphia. Steamfitters Local 420, Jim Snell, business manager. Portions of tonight's Labor and Energy Special are being supported by the members of the Labor Union Community, including Steamfitters Local 420, Jim Snell, Business Manager, the Eastern Atlantic States Regional Council of Carpenters, and the United Steelworkers. And welcome back, everyone, to the Labor and Energy Show with J-Doc and Krause. Good opening segment, J-Doc. Good guest coming up uh, here in segment number two, followed by Another good guest in segment number three will tell our listening audience about it as we roll on. This is the Labor and Energy Show. Yeah, Joe, uh, today's show is all about the Line 5 pipeline and traditional energy infrastructure. And and I'm ecstatic to bring on uh, to the broadcast Mike Nicely, who's the Executive Secretary Treasurer of the Ohio State Building Trades Council. Mike, how are you, sir? I'm doing great, guys. Thank you for having me on. It's great to have you. And, and first of all, uh, when we talk about the, the Line 5 pipeline debate, it, it's a great example of the issues that traditional energy infrastructure is facing across the country, where, where there's a solution, where, where, where the solution for everything seems to be to just shut it down. Uh, there's a problem. Don't fix it. Don't talk about it. No common sense about it. Just shut it down. And uh, this situation, in many cases, is is uh, no different. Uh, there's certainly a, a you know there's certainly a situation, and there's remedies. Uh, but there's a fight to keep things alive out there, Mike. If you will. Talk about the union, uh, your union workforce in regards to the energy sector, the refineries um, in Ohio. How many workers are, are, are working in that industry, types of jobs, uh, you know, good paying jobs, skilled labor? Yeah, so in Ohio, we have four refineries, uh, three nestled up in northwest Ohio, uh, the Synovus BP and PBF refineries, those two are in Toledo. And then just south an hour is the uh, Lima uh, Synovus refinery. Over in the eastern side of the state is the Canton refinery, which is a marathon. But altogether, 
it is over 600,000 barrels of oil that's processed uh, through those refineries, resulting in hundreds, if not thousands, of jobs every day, you know, for just general maintenance, contract work, uh, let alone the turnarounds. And so it makes up probably 20 to 25 percent of our market here when you talk about book hours for the building trades, and this is incorporating the turnarounds and everything, but it's a huge factor in our day-to-day lives uh, as construction workers here in Ohio, whether it's Northwest or East or whatever, everybody in Ohio tends to gravitate towards these industries over their lifetime as a construction worker. And, and these jobs, these are good paying jobs. This is skilled labor, um, union jobs that are very impactful in the community. Um, talk about the impact that the fossil fuel industry has on, on the Ohio community and the region when it comes to the economy and the tax base. Yeah, so just my hometown, which is Lyme, Ohio, that I just referenced, I'm a pipe fitter by trade. I'm a UA guy, 35-year member. I ran the local for almost 15 years at Building Trades Council. Now I'm in Columbus around the state and everything. But I saw this firsthand. I saw the good side of it when you're out there working every day. And then I saw the bad side when you have a multinational company like uh, Sonovas that came in just recently and gutted the community by having um, the turnaround uh, go uh, to non-signatory contractors, <laughs> people that were from thousands of miles away, and it just took uh, $70 million just recently out of the community and their surrounding communities with it. So I've seen uh, just how important these are, but it's got to be uh, community-based. It's got to be the people that live in the states that, that work in the community because they've got the best of interest, you know, to keeping these places open. It's got a huge economic impact, uh, positive and negative, uh, as we all know on everything. If you've ever been in a refinery town and it closed, the sucking sound uh, that comes when that place closes down, it's like you might as well have had a bomb go through the place. Absolutely. And, and, and we've had uh, a situation here with PES refinery. That's why we're sitting here, J-Doc. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it, it's uh, actually like being in the twilight zone. At some point, we, Joe and I, Joe Krause and I have uh, got really engaged in this uh, issue when, it, when, when the PES refinery, and we, we're repeating this on, on, on uh, it, it, and we're going to keep repeating it, uh, the, the situation in South Philadelphia when that refinery closed here, um, it was a fire. Uh, there was one unit damaged. And then, of course, there was 32 units that were still operating. And uh, the owners decided to, 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 to sell it. And, and the lowest bidder, and they, uh, by $25 million, actually purchased it. And, of course, shut it down. And, you know, there's, they're, they're putting some other, uh, you know, I, I don't know what they're putting on that site right now, but it's not a refinery. The, the, the hit that we took to the economy and the tax base was unprecedented. And certainly, you know, we get it. Uh, we get it. And one of the problems was at the time, you know, politically speaking, a lot of those individuals that usually stand up for union labor were, were silent. And so, um, you know, definitely confusing. And obviously you can see it's an epidemic across the land. Let's, 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 let's talk about the, um, the, the, the Line 5 uh, pipeline. What is the current situation? So the current situation, and I just got this yesterday, is um, Enbridge is moving forward um, with this, and we have worked uh, with them, the North American Building Trade Union and President McGarvey, um, in 
to secure a memorandum of understanding that this will be a union project being built. And so uh, I'm going to drop back to where the governor and secretary of state is because a lot of people uh, know they're not in favor of this. They're trying to do everything they can to shut down the new construction. Although everybody uh, understands that's been in this industry, with the exception of the far left environmentalists, of course. that this is the best, best uh, path forward to secure uh, energy uh, production and reliability um, you know, for the state of Michigan, as well as um, also continuing oil production and uh, supply to Quebec, Ontario, Ohio, and Michigan refineries. So right now, it's kind of in a holding pattern with the legal side, but Enbridge is moving on, uh, going through all the regulatory steps and have confirmed that this will be built with union construction workers um, as things move on. So I'm feeling a lot more positive about this than maybe I did six months ago when I joined um, a coalition of building trades uh, leaders from the provinces and the states to keep this thing moving. Now, now the issues uh, with the pipeline and what they're what they're talking about um, uh, have to do with um, you know the possibility of of, of um, you know if an issue happens with it the, you know the obviously you know the the fuel that uh, you know will will be released. Um, you know, even though it's never happened before, how long has the pipeline been been in operation? Um, I think it's been over fifty years. So fifty years. Uh, they they had a couple. They had a, a couple close calls. I think something hooked onto it, but there's never been an issue. And now there's a plan to ensure, obviously, to the max possibility that there there are no future issues. Um, but that's not good enough. Uh, talk about where these uh, the, the movement is to, to, to try to shut it down and, and, and exactly why. Yeah, so the far left environmentalists that I was talking about and the governor of Michigan, Secretary of State, they do not see the necessity of this and they um, are not even looking at this thing objectively. It's, it's become a political issue for them and I think they are hedging their bets that people from out of state that are funding these uh, environmental groups that work against not only building trades, but against community people, um, I think they're hedging their bets that they're, that's the place to be and not with the common person that relies on a steady stream of propane for the Upper Peninsula. That's the only heating source uh, or crude oil to the 12 different refineries that are affected by this. And so um, I truly believe that we end up becoming instead of working together and this technology that they're putting out um, Enbridge in the construction methods, it is state of the art. It's going to ensure that you've got a safe pipeline. Um, And so they, they grab onto these isolated incidents from uh, 50 year old pipelines instead of um, uh, what I want to say, Joe, uh, supporting an initiative to replace these um, with smart technology, with new materials and everything. They continue to beat these uh, issues up, all the while being totally ignorant that if you shut this thing down, the people of Michigan are going to freeze to death, somewhat like the people of Germany that were banking on uh, natural gas coming from Russia. And until I think people have to feel some pain, and I don't wish this on anybody, but I think sometimes we, we maybe need to cut the, the hard left environmentalists off, let them freeze to death out there. So you realize how important a refinery is when you've got to put gas in your car. 
and then electronic vehicles aren't up where they need to be with the, the charging stations and everything. I think we just can't seem to come to the middle on this um, with the environmental community, and it's not the Sierra Club of 20 years ago. Um, these are far uh, left groups that you know, have no common sense and don't even worry about others that are impacted about this. They just want to make a statement. That's the issue that I have with this thing. That's why I, it seems like I'm emotional about this. I'm emotional about this because there's going to be rank and file people. It's going to be people that just are barely getting by. They're going to have their propane cut off. Um, all the while, you're going to remove this pipeline and add tens of thousands of rail cars every day on the on the rails and tanker trucks on the highways. And we know that's a disaster, you know, waiting to happen. Mike uh, nicely joining us here on the Labor and Energy Show on the other side of our break. Scott Hayes, Health, Safety, Environmental, and Government Affairs Manager with the Toledo Refining Company slash PBF Energy. He'll be with us, uh, J Doc. Mike, one question to you, and then I know J Doc has one more before we uh, end the segment. I want to try and put it in the terms of the listening public. Uh, the amount of people that will consume this radio show, the labor and energy show, um, when it airs live across the network. Um, I, I just don't feel like we and they understand the magnitude of what it means. Um, and I want to just give you 60 seconds or 90 seconds to talk directly to the public so they know what it means, the ramifications of a shutdown, what it actually means to you listening right now as an individual. So when you look at this thing, we can look at this at many different levels, but let's just start with national security and look what's going on um, halfway across the world with the Ukrainian Russian um, issues that are out there. And what that did uh, to the uh, gasoline markets, it just shot up like a balloon. And everybody knows that it goes up like a rocket, gas prices do, and they come down like a feather. Um, so you've got national security. You've got state and regional issues um, that we talk about workforce. How many thousands of people are um, going to be impacted by the closure of Line 5? 12 different refineries over two great countries um, that could possibly be shut down um, with this. And once these things shut down with the, how lengthy environmental reviews and permitting and everything, they're not coming back. I'm, I'm telling you, um, they are not going to come back. Nobody's going to make that kind of investment um, with this. And then it gets all the way down, you know, to the consumers, how they're getting hit. If you think, you know, you're uh, ticked off about $4 uh, gas, shut 12 refineries down between the two nations and see where that goes. Um, and then there's just the whole level that we're not even thinking straight about closing these things down. It should be a very mitigated approach to these things. And you'll even have the refineries that say, we know that we're on a slow um, uh, pathway, you know, they're closing these things down. But we have to have a common sense approach to this thing. And we just need to have a better discussion. And the environmental community, I'm putting a lot on them. You've heard me talk about this. They need to come to the middle. I think that American people don't need to go any further left. We just need to come to the middle and let's work this thing out together. Mike, this Mike, be- 
let me jump in there because it, it's the same thing that happened in Philly with the PES refinery. Out of town environmentalists came in. Our our people care about the environment. All the precautions were taken care of. Never had an issue there, and they came in and 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 politically, uh, you know, our key politicians t- took a need to them. And at this point in time, reality has to get into the equation. You mentioned the technology that that is going on to ensure there's no issues with the uh, line five pipeline. They don't want to hear it. Uh, what do we do as a labor movement uh, to unite together with industry to to convince our political leaders we care about the environment, we care about the security and the safety of the pipeline, um, and we want to work together, but it has to be a reality-type situation, and they have to give us a shot and stop bowing down to the environmental cancel culture. Yeah. I think uh, I think you just have to everybody together just has to collectively uh, and we think about you know as tradesmen that we work with owners we work with union contractors we work with our, our labor brothers and sisters we call it the tripartite model I think we have to join forces together and we have to come out as a unified front against uh, the uh, environmental hard left environmental policies some of the best stewards of this country come from organized labor. And I don't care whether you're ironworker, pipe fitter, whatever you are, all our guys and ladies, they, they like going hunting. They like the great outdoors. I think we need to come together as a tripartite model and show politicians we're here for you. We've got the backbone, even if you don't, and we're going to call BS on this thing, and we're going to have a real conversation, and we're going to be in the center of this whole thing, and we're going to make this thing work. And I think if, if we show them that we're there for them, even though they're a little wishy-washy, as you've seen, uh, you told me about in Philly, I think we can get through this and we can get back to where we need to be on the center on this thing. Mike Nicely joining us here uh, on the Labor and Energy Show. Mike, the Secretary, Treasurer, Ohio State Building Trades Council. Uh, good stuff, Jay. Yeah, good stuff from Mike. Well said. Your passion is right up our alley. We're, we, you know, we're, we're here to get the word out that reality and common sense have to uh, get put back into the equation so we can maintain our resources, uh, maintain our jobs and our economy. The environment is a priority to us. And of course, like you mentioned earlier, our en- energy independence. We can have it all if we do it together. Great job, Mike. Keep up the good work. Thanks, guys, again. I appreciate uh, the solidarity and I appreciate you having me on the show. All right, good stuff. This is the Labor and Energy Show with J. Doc and Krause. We'll take a commercial break. Scott Hayes on the other side, back in a moment. Thanks for listening to tonight's Labor and Energy Special. Now it's time for Did You Know? A public service announcement from the providers of this program. Did you know there are 6,000 products made from petroleum that we use every day? Products like candles, trash bags, fishing rods, shower curtains, paint, umbrellas, tennis rackets, and another 5,993. Did you know? What's a Boilermaker? We're the skilled welders, riggers, and craftspeople who will help you grow your competitive edge. We step up when others step back, and we do the job right, on time, on budget, and safely. No drama, just results every time. We're the International Brotherhood of Boilermakers, and everything we do begins with our bond. Let's get to work together. Visit bestintrade.com. 
Portions of tonight's Labor and Energy Special are presented by PBF Energy and supported by members of the labor union community, a collaborative to educate the public and change the narrative. And back here on the Labor and Energy Show with J-Doc and Krause as we broadcast to you. Special uh, thanks, J-Doc, to uh, Mike Nicely from the Ohio Building Trades. Good opening two segments. We're going to transition into what is our final segment of the Labor and Energy Show. Absolutely. Mike was fantastic, very passionate about the situation at hand. Um, I'm ecstatic to bring in Scott Hayes, Health, Safety, Environmental, and Government Affairs Manager at the Toledo Refinery Company. Uh, Welcome to the broadcast, Scott. Gentlemen, great to be here. Love talking about this subject. Absolutely. And and so there's so much going on. Uh, Before we do, let's kind of set the table. Um, Tell our listeners about the Toledo Refining Company, uh, your workforce, what products you produce, the whole deal. Yeah, we are a refinery. We've been in business for 135 years here on the east side of Toledo. Uh, it's a it's a absolute economic juggernaut. We produce uh, about 5.4 billion dollars worth of economic output to the region. So that's uh, reflected in you know you're buying millions of dollars of crude oil each day. You're selling your products, and there's a con- contribution to the tax base. We employ a lot of people. Uh, on any given day, there's 1,200 people that walk through the gates. Now, some of them are direct employees, but a lot of them are, as you've heard from Mike Nisley, um, they're, they're uh, tradesmen uh, from the area. So we keep the trades, uh, we try to keep the trade halls empty because they're in here working on stuff. When you have a 24-hour-a-day uh, process, there's always uh, maintenance that needs to be done, projects to be done, shutdowns and, and uh, turnarounds, we call them, uh, large intensive maintenance windows. And so you have a lot of uh, people that are employed uh, kind of in a third-party uh, basis. But we supply uh, the, the energy that uh, the Midwest needs. We supply gasoline, diesel, jet fuel. For example, we're the the number one producer of aviation fuels to the Detroit Metro Airport, and we supply uh, much of the needed jet fuel uh, in surrounding airports in our area, including Indianapolis, Pittsburgh, uh, Cleveland, others. Um, On top of that, one of the things I think is important to note today is that we supply chemicals that most people just don't hear about, benzene, toluene, nonine, xylene. That goes into things like laundry detergent, uh, cosmetics, your sneakers, your iPhones, shampoo, um, hand sanitizer, uh, the, the plastics that you, your food comes in, um, shower cleaner, epoxy, tires, those types of things. I could go on and on, but there's really not a product that you can touch today that isn't uh, somewhere in the value chain uh, coming from a feedstock that leaves our, our facility and goes to the many many producers, secondary, tertiary uh, producers of chemicals that go into products here in Ohio and the region. Uh, that's our third largest uh, employee, our third largest industry, rather, in Ohio is the uh, secondary chemical uh, industry. So, Scott, talk talk about the, the, the Line 5 pipeline and its relationship and importance uh, to the Toledo Refining Company um, how, how, uh, what is that relationship? What's the impact? Um, and, and, uh, to not only your, your refinery, but also, uh, the other refineries in the area. 
Yeah, there's several refineries in the area. In Ohio, there's one in Michigan, and then there's several in Ontario that are fed by Line 5. It brings about 540,000 barrels a day to the region. Um, and, and from that, all of all of those uh, refineries that I spoke of then produce the chemicals that are, are needed uh, so that we can heat our homes, drive around, take trips, but also produce the, the, the products that I mentioned earlier. Um, so it is a major uh, uh, energy piece of energy infrastructure that is vital to the Midwest. In the Midwest, we're kind of uniquely constrained. It's just the way the geography is. And, um, you know, on the coast, you have a little bit more flexibility uh, of getting products in and out. In the Midwest, you don't. You're kind of constrained. And so what remaining infrastructure we have, uh, we certainly have to protect. And you don't want a line like Line 5 shutting down. It is essential. It would be very difficult, if not impossible, for us to run our plant were there to be a Line 5 shutdown. Yeah, and so having said that, obviously, uh, you know, it's it's uh, has a great impact on the community and the region. Um, and the consequences would be, in a sense, unprecedented. Kind of, if you would... Uh, Describe that because I don't think people really understand. We've had a couple uh, discussions on the broadcast um, that talked about it. But if you would talk about the literal consequences uh, to the energy sector, but also to the general public, um, if if the Line 5 pipeline were to shut down. Well, how about this? The uh, Consumer Energy Alliance just uh, uh, put out a report in the last couple weeks that described the impact just uh, to, to consumers just looking at gasoline and diesel uh, and what the cost would be to the Midwest, what it would cost the consumer in the Midwest. And over a three- to five-year period, the price tag they put on it was $23.7 billion. So what I ask policymakers is, you know, do you want to live in a world where you're shutting down refineries when we have an energy crisis, where you are shipping that production effectively overseas where they don't produce it as cleanly as we do here because that is happening. You want to live in a world where you're waiting in line at the pump uh, because there's not enough to go around. Do you want to live in a world where the poor and those living on a marginal income are disproportionately affected? Um, Do you want to live in a world where the Midwest especially is disadvantaged because of supply chain uh, disruptions for the products that our feedstocks, when they leave our plant, make? That's not a world I want to live in. And if we are going to talk about a, 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 a change to different types of energy or an all above, all or uh, all of the above strategy, we have to do it in a way that is not chaotic, in a way that is coherent, strategic, and one that protects our citizens and protects the jobs that we hold so dearly here. Scott Hayes from the Toledo Refining Company joining us here on the Labor and Energy Show. Scott, the answer is no. To all of those questions, yet we find ourselves right now on the Labor and Energy Show having that conversation. I don't understand it. It's sad because, you know, we want to be part of the solution. I mean, my title is environmental health. I have two degrees in environmental health. Um, I care about the environment. But I I would make this argument. Um, We've lost over a million point five barrels a day of production capacity in this country over the last several years for a variety of reasons. But policies that 
uh, try to run uh, 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 shutdown pipelines and, and other policies aren't helping. Uh, but what we've seen is while we're shutting down refineries uh, in this country, we haven't built one, a new one since the 70s, early 70s. They're building them in India, China, emerging markets in Africa, Southeast Asia as we speak. And my argument is that they do not produce it as cleanly as we do here. Uh, they do not have uh, an EPA to speak of. They're not engaged with regulatory authorities like we are on a daily basis. Therefore, if you're truly concerned about the carbon footprint, we should be doing everything we can from a policy standpoint to produce fuels here. Uh, and you can make the argument for energy security, but also national security standpoint. But today I make the argument for uh, an environmental health perspective. Scott, I would even say this, even if e- even if you're, argument is not correct and they are making it as cl- as clean who cares i want to make it here in the united states absolutely yeah it's it's absolutely. It's, it's, it's it's um twilight zone asks no question about it um we're willing to shoot ourselves in the foot um it, it in, in in a sense it's it's uh, it, the, the whole entire picture makes no sense there's no common sense or reality uh as a part of it and one of the things we're trying to do with the show is get reality out there, uh, work together uh, to, to, to create solutions to make this thing work. Uh, why doesn't why don't our political leaders understand that we have a commitment to the environment and we have a commitment to our communities? Nobody wants to throw the baby out with the bathwater. And at the end of the day, that's exactly what's going on. The environmentalists, the far left crazies, I'm a Democrat, man. I'm a labor Democrat. I care about this world 100%. I care about uh, you know what we're doing, our energy infrastructure, obviously, our, our uh, general public, our energy independence, our communities. Um, why aren't they, you know, why aren't they listening to us? Why are they listening to a group of people that are not uh, talking about reality? Well, I'll tell you, I, I've thought about this a lot. So it's, to me, it's one of two things. Either one, they're uninformed and don't know, um, and, and, and for which today is, is an example of how we can help inform and uh, really look at this from a pragmatic standpoint and, and look at the fact that um, we can do two things at once. We can produce fuels cleanly and we can protect our jobs and, and do it, uh, pr- keep the production here where we keep uh, people working in good paying jobs. Uh, so I think part of it is to inform. Um, I think it's fashionable to just say right now, fossil fuels are bad when you don't understand the full story. Sure. So, hey, let's tell the full story. Secondly, um, we're up against it. Uh, this is a non-pragmatic reality, but a, a political reality. We're up against it because uh, those that want to shut down pipelines, refineries, fossil fuels in general, uh, many of them are funded, their campaigns, if they're policymakers that are public, their campaigns are funded by large cooperatives, NGOs that are uh, committed to the total, uh, uh, the, the total uh, move away from fossil fuels immediately. And uh, they have to answer to that contingency because they are so well-funded. They're, they're, they're well-funded by elites on, on the coast, but especially the West Coast, um, that have uh, raised a whole lot of money, um, uh, sold uh, to, to, to those that will buy, uh, that they're saving the world. 
um, but but it it, it, it uh, excuses the pra- the pragmatic and practical realities that we have to deal with, and, and there are consequences. Well, and, and having said that, that's really where labor comes in. Labor, uh, you know, is, has, is is the voice of the middle class, and for those who can't speak for themselves, and ironically, we're in that situation. We need to stand up not only in representation of our jobs and our communities and our economy, but the reality. If we're going to move, there are six thousand products, five thousand, six thousand products that. Uh, fossil fuels uh, are a part of. And we can't even move to renewables without them. Before we go, we got about a minute left. Um, If you would just throw some of those products out that you guys, uh, you know, produce at the Toledo uh, Refining Company, because it's vast, man. Yeah, I mean, so we produce the benzene, toluene, xylene, nonine, tetramer, and that all goes into secondary products that end up in things like so your clothing, if you like stretchy clothing, any of that clothing that is uh, nylon, um, spandex, those types of things, your tennis shoes, paint, um, uh, lacquers, cleaners, uh, car interiors, even for electric vehicles, anything that you touch as plastic comes from a refinery ultimately. Um, there's, I, I challenge anyone to live uh, 24 hours, and I did so publicly uh, to the governor of Michigan who didn't take us up on it. But try to live 24 hours without one of the products that ultimately come from a refinery. But Scott, before you, you say another word, if we shut our, shoot ourselves in the foot, the ironic part about this is we're going to shut, ourself, shut ourselves down over here. And we're still going to need the products. It's ridiculous. Yeah. You're so not going to see the environmentalists at the ports picketing or anything like that. We're just going to shut ourselves down, destroy our situation. And at the end of the day, we're going to be dependent on foreign entities, some that are not our friends. Couldn't have said it better. That's exactly what will happen if we do not change course. Scott Hayes from the Toledo Refining Company. We'll be sure to send the podcast to the Michigan governor. Uh, and before I let you go, Scott, real quick, um, is that publication or that data put out by the alliance, is that public? Is that something that you can see online? If not, send it over to me via yep. email, and we'll uh, JDoc and I will push it out uh, across the region, across the markets from here down to D.C., just to make sure that um, we get that information out. Yep, it is public. It is it is um, it, it is available online. The Consumer Energy Alliance. Um, there is a line five study, and I will also email it to both of you. All right, great stuff from Scott Hayes, J. Doc Scott from the Toledo Refining Company. Great way to finish up the show with your final thoughts. And Scott, we hope to have you uh, um, join us again as we continue uh, to message the public uh, and inform and educate uh, everyone with the ener- uh, with the Labor and Energy Show. That's going to do it for this edition of the Labor and Energy Show. On behalf of J. Doc, I'm Joe Kraus, and of course, on behalf of Scott Hayes for uh, joining us, J. Doc and two other great guests today um, who really com- really put everything into a great one hour of radio. Absolutely. Uh, Scott, well done. Uh, we're all going to do our part to make sure we educate people and make sure that we, we, we can move forward together and unite it uh, and, and certainly keep our, our jobs, our economy, and our energy in the United States. Well done. Well said. Uh-huh. See, see you next week, everybody. Thanks for listening to tonight's labor and energy special. You can help. Call your congressperson before the upcoming midterm elections and join the movement to push back on RINs. 
This program is a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. Today's program has been pre-recorded.